This is Ham College, episode 35 for November 30th, 2017. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. Looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season? Unwrap one of ICOM's HF transceivers. And by hamstudy.org, a great way to study for your next license exam. Welcome to Ham College, episode 35. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And it's good to be back for the November 30th edition of Ham yep. College. What, what episode number is this? This is 35. 35, wow. Mm-hmm. Time flies. Time does fly. And you can... I, if I told you we were going to talk about uh, radios tonight, would you believe me? Is there any clue that might give that away? No, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to talk about since it's a ham radio show. It but, is. Uh, we don't usually yeah. talk specifically about the radios here. Well, we well, do sometimes. Not directly. It's yeah. uh, usually about rules and so forth. Yeah. Speaking of um, not talking about radios... The Egg Bowl this year, Ole Miss and State. Yeah. Ole Miss kind of uh, polished the eggs this year, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They won. Congratulations yeah. to them. My, my team lost uh, today at the Iron Bowl. Yeah. So, and what yeah. team is that you're wearing? This is the uh, Sandlot team. Legends okay. never die. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's... should have wore my team shirt. I didn't know it was team night. Yeah. We're shooting this on the weekend after Thanksgiving. Did you do any Black Friday shopping, Tommy? No. I, well, I you know, Black Friday was Thursday this year. They was opened it? most of the stuff opened up on Thursday after okay. Thanksgiving. So I did go yesterday uh, to Best Buy. I was going to pick up something. It wasn't bad. The crowd wasn't too bad. Yeah. But uh, they were sold out of the, what I wanted. Well, you can kind of expect that, I yeah. think. Um, I prob- that just means I probably didn't deals. really need it anyway. That just means you need to go back. And, you know, you might pay a few more dollars, but yeah, they would still like to sell you one. Yeah, they might. They're still <laughs> sold out, though. Yeah. That means I'll have to hit Amazon Monday or Cyber Monday. So, that's true, yeah. Cyber Monday is coming up. That's better for me anyway. Yeah. Well... What did we talk about in the last time, college? Do you remember? Uh, inductors, I think. No? Mm-mm. Then I guess I'd, maybe <laughs> I need to cheat and look. Yeah, reactants. I remember now, it's coming back to me. Operator practices and reactants. Yeah. Now that I think more about it. <laughs> <laughs> and read <laughs> what it says on the cheat sheet there. Yeah, we, we did a demonstration of reactants, yeah. and we actually ran a signal into inductors and capacitors and then watched the voltage on the scope as yeah. to what happened as we What was the reaction to that? It was both positive and negative. It was? Yeah. That's what I would have expected. Yep. Yeah, well, we talked about inductive and capacitive reactants, Tom. Uh, he's asking over there in the chat room. Um, but we had talked about each individually before that, I think. Mm-hmm. So, tonight, well, we've got um, a couple of different things we're going to talk about here. Um, probably, I don't know what to call this first half of the show here. It's going to be, I would say, uh, a lot to do with picking out a frequency to talk on. That's a good thing to do. Yep. Well, you usually need one. They're handy. If you want anybody to listen. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but you don't want to just uh, jump on a frequency and start talking. 
we, we do want to mention the chat room. You know, we've talked a little bit about uh, things going on in the chat there. Well, uh, you know, anytime we're doing a show, we got a chat room going on. Uh, when we're shooting it live, amateurlogic.tv slash chat. If you're watching the live stream, jump in there now and uh, say hello to everybody. And, um, you know, toward the end of the show, we'll be uh, probably taking a few questions out of there and oh, yeah. seeing what's going on. And um, Yeah. You know. And uh, like usual, if you're watching the live stream and you're not in the chat, you're probably missing half the fun. Because uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on in there. Yeah. If you're looking at the recording, though, yeah, there... Uh, Chat room probably be dead. Probably not a lot going on. Not a lot there. going on in there when there's no one there. So, uh, without further ado, let's, let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do that. Yeah. You know, I thought about that like half a second Why, before I, yeah. I said it there. Wiser words were never spoken. Y yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> So what we've got here in the background is uh, that the display off my ICOM IC7700 radio. We wanted to be able to, to show something, uh, a, a little demonstration tonight on uh, some of the difference uh, between AM and FM and, and sideband transmissions to give you a little visual of, of how the, the different signals sit about uh, in the frequency domain there. Yeah, uh, how much bandwidth. Right, how much bandwidth, uh, where in relation to your transmit frequency is that signal? Because those are the type of questions we're going to have. And maybe if we look at it a little bit here ahead of time, it'll, it'll kind of help these questions make sense when they come up. And it'll minimize the buzzer effect. It could. It could. Maybe. So let's zoom in here a little bit on it, take a look. Uh, you can see right there. Well, before we start transmitting, let's go ahead and tell them, though, that uh, we're not just transmitting into the antenna. We're going into a dummy load. This little line going right here, that is the frequency I'm tuned to here on this rig. It's 3.862 megahertz. Uh, I've got the rig set to decode AM, but that's not really going to matter for what we're doing right here. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just set there. I've got another rig over here that I'm going to transmit on, and we're just going to look at the signals and see what they look like on the spectrum scope. So uh, let's key up here with a little bit of power on AM into the dummy load, as Tommy said. And there's the AM signal right there. It's, it's a carrier. You can see centered right there on our transmit frequency. We're transmitting on 3862. Yeah, taking space on both sides of the center. Yep, equal equal spacing as we modulate it. Uh, we can see it changing the carrier, the amplitude of it. We'll go a little positive and negative here. And uh, But basically what I wanted to show here is that you're taking up about the same amount of space on either side of the frequency you're trying to transmit on. Well, let's go to FM. Oh, that's a carrier too, isn't it? Sure is. But uh, when we start talking, you can wow. see all these sidebands. It's using up a lot that more are generated. bandwidth. It is taking quite a bit more bandwidth there. So that's something to keep in mind. If you want to try uh, FM transmission, say on HF, you're going to take up a lot more room in the band. Now let's. I wouldn't really recommend doing it on 3.862 either. No, people really don't operate um, FM on HF uh, hardly yeah. ever. <clears throat> the only person I ever know that's done it is probably me and a couple of buddies just seeing if it'd work one time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did it sound it, good. Yeah, it sounded good. Mm-hmm. All right, now lower side band, and the display is still showing AM here because this is just being used as a receiver, but I'm going to transmit with this other radio on lower side band. You can see there's only a signal there when I'm talking. Uh, that's because the side band mode suppresses that carrier, so there's no carrier right here in the middle. There's only side bands left, and you can see all the energy 
is down here below the frequency that we're transmitting on. Uh, well, I say all of it. There's a little bit that comes above it, but uh, that's going to depend on the response of the radio a little bit too. But primarily, lower sideband, all our signal is, is below our carrier frequency. Anything you want to add to that? No, it's, it is pretty interesting to visualize and see that, though, so yep. you understand the difference of what yep. lower sideband and upper sideband is really doing. Exactly. a lot of people don't understand that's what's happening. Yeah, I'm transmitting on 3862, but the signal is coming out just, well, about 3 kilohertz wide below that. Mm -hmm. All right, now I'm going to uh, upper sideband. And as you might expect, when we start transmitting on upper sideband, our uh, energy is over here on, uh, you know, right above the frequency that, that we're set to. So, with that in mind, Tommy, if, uh, if I'm going to talk on, say, upper sideband, I know I'm going to be on this frequency, but I'm probably going to uh, be up occupying some more area here, so I want to be mm -hmm. sure that there's no one else using this part of the spectrum right here, or else we're going to be yeah, interfering with them. That's right. You sure don't want to do that. Yep. So that's, that's what we wanted to show there is um, as we go over these questions and we're talking about lower sideband and upper sideband and where you can operate, um, keep in mind what portion of the spectrum you're going to be occupying when you do that. Yeah, and it's good to know about how much mm -hmm. of it you're going to be occupying as well. Exactly. Now... Something we, that's not really in the questions tonight, but just uh, uh, interesting aside there from what we just looked at. If we were going to transmit on AM, well, most of our rigs, uh, when you go to transmit on AM, they don't put out quite as much power. And you can see here, you know, the signal only comes up this high. Check, one, two. It's really... Um, I think this particular rig I'm transmitted on only puts out 25 watts on AM. That's right. So, um, you know, all our energy is right there on both sides of the sideband. It's the same thing on both sides. So uh, if we just tuned in and listened to this half, we would hear the same thing as if we only listened to this half or if we listened to the whole thing. So really, uh, we don't need both of those sidebands. Uh, you know, if we if we just used one sideband, say, uh, we'll use lower sideband, well, we're putting all our energy right down here, and if somebody's only listening to that sideband, uh, they're only going to have half the interference, right. basically, because they're not using as much width. We're going to take up less space in the spectrum, and all our po more power is going to be concentrated in that area, so we're getting more use, usable energy. Yeah, and I know I noticed your peak there is going up into the fourth segment of there instead of the third where it ended. Oh yeah, it it'll uh, you know th there's more energy here. Of course, uh, this rig will do 100 watts on lower sideband or upper sideband, mm -hmm. so um, there's going to be a little more energy there from that. Uh, so it's more efficient, you know, if we use a, a sideband mode. Right, and not only that, you're using less less bandwidth, so more people can actually occupy the right. entire band. Mm -hmm. So instead of you taking this much, you, mm -hmm. you take this much, and somebody else can be over a little bit and take take another slice. So right. get more people on there. Mm -hmm. And you're concentrating all your energy into a narrower spot, mm -hmm. so it's it's more effective more too. Efficient. Okay. That's interesting well, stuff. It's kind of cool, like I said, to see that because uh, a lot of new hams don't understand when, you, like I said earlier, when you're on lower sideband, actually, what's really happening mm -hmm. to, to you know to your uh, to your signal. And we just saw it there. We're only transmitting below our frequency that we're tuned to. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's how that works. And keep that in mind because it's going to come in handy on these questions we're about to cover here. And we, one thing we mentioned, I think, I can't remember if it was last month or the month before, but uh, this is uh, 75 meters, 80 meters, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. Typically, 
it's customary to operate on lower sideband on this one. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the others, you know, upper sideband is customary. I think mm -hmm. uh, 20 meters upper sideband yep. would be the typical mm -hmm. one to use. So always kind of check that stuff. Yeah. Once, once you've gotten accustomed to it, it'll just click with you every time. But yeah. uh, a lot of the newer radios, I'm sure this one does it, uh, switches to when you change bands, it changes to the right sideband mode. Yeah. You can still change it to the opposite, but, yeah, but it'll most of the time it'll there. follow where it where it should be yeah all right we'll be back in just a moment we're going to move some things out of the way here and uh, get ready to go with the rest of the show so don't go away happy hf holidays looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season unwrap one of icom's hf transceivers the gift every ham wants icom's new 7610 arrived just in time to make it to santa slate this high-performance RMDR has the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF Direct Sampling System, 110dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. A gift for you or your favorite contester, IC7300 is a high-performance HF transceiver with a compact design. Don't miss a weak signal with the combination of the waterfall function and real-time spectrum scope. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios this holiday season. All right, so it's the usual time in the show that we're going to give away this nice uh, ICOM Ham Crew t-shirt and an ICOM ball cap to enter the contest. So just a random drawing. We do it every month, as a lot of you probably already know. But if you'll send your, your name, actually that's really all you need to send is your name to... Uh, Ham College at AmateurLogic.tv. Yeah. It's right there. <laughs> I was trying to see if I remember it. You yeah. think I would after all these times, but uh, send it to Ham College at AmateurLogic.tv to get yourself in the drawing next time. And you'll be one of the best dressed uh, people at the Ham Fest. So it's a really nice, nice t shirt. Again, yes. I need to hit Ray up one time about sending me another one of these. I'm not sure what happened to mine. Is going to be Jerry, W7IEW. He says, hello, guys. I enjoy your vids on YouTube, and I always learn something. All right. All right. Well, congratulations, Jerry. Uh, you'll be hearing from ICOM, uh, and uh, they'll get in touch with you about getting your size information and a place to send it. Again, uh, you guys interested, go ahead and send your entry in, and you'll be ready for the next drawing next month. So we do it every every month. And thanks to ICOM for providing the nice t-shirts for us to give away. Time to get on into tonight's questions, and we've put it off as long as we can. I am. A, I will say that I am a shirt person, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you asked me earlier, any special shirts to wear tonight? And I said, no, but just wear one. Just wear one, just yeah. Just wear one. I figure everybody would appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, first question tonight. Um, okay. Why don't you ask me this one? All right. What is normally meant by operating the transceiver in split mode? A, the receiver is operating at half power. B, the transceiver is operating from an external power source. C, the transceiver is set to different transmit and receive frequencies. Or D, the transmitter is emitting a single sideband signal as opposed to a double sideband operation. Well, split mode. When, when somebody's talking about they're operating in split, that means they're transmitting on one frequency but listening on another. Yeah. That's so, what that means, all right. And uh, that's only, there's no way to really reason that out other than uh, just knowing that. So I mean, the others don't make sense. I'm going to say it's C. And that's what they're saying over there. 
Well, no, we we did have one that was said it was either B, C, A, or D. Okay. He was right. Yeah, you can't argue with that. So let's see, were we right? Well, sure. Yeah, of course. Of course. You, I mean, you know, you've operated like that, so it would have mm -hmm. been pretty hard to miss that one. Mm -hmm. Although I don't do it very often, I have to. If I'm going to do that, I have to look up how to set my radio like that. So when would uh, split mode typically be used? I think uh, some contesters mm -hmm. use it. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of contest contesters do, but uh, that's the only reason. That and uh, and sometimes DX stations, foreign stations, where. Um, like, you know, not every country can transmit, say, 80 meters. We don't have the same frequency allocations here. Um, some of those guys have to transmit below 4,800. Well, if you're a general in the United States, did I say 4,800? I mean 3,800 on the 75-meter uh, band. Mm -hmm. All right. So they've got to be transmitting less than 3,800. If you're a general, uh, you can't go that low. You've got to transmit above that. Mm -hmm. So if they do split operation there where they're transmitting down lower, you're a general, you can listen to anything you want to. You just can't transmit there. Mm -hmm. So he'll transmit down where he's licensed to, and then he'll listen at a little higher frequency or, or wherever, and your license oh. to transmit there, so you can transmit yeah. there. So, and, uh, that's good. That makes sense. That that's way, interesting. Yeah. You so know, you're both still legal. You're both and still you can legal. Make your, make your contact. Exactly. Because otherwise, you you know you're excluding a lot of people if in a case like that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's one reason to do it. In addition to contesting, it makes it easier for uh, the uh, contest station to listen. Um, or, or special events in particular. It's easier for them to listen on a different frequency than they're transmitting on. So, um, okay. Well, good. I'm going to ask you one then. Okay, hit me. Which of the following is a common use of the dual VFO feature of a transceiver? Is it A, to allow transmitting on two frequencies at once? B, to permit full duplex operation, that is transmitting and receiving at the same time. C, to permit monitoring of two different frequencies. Or D, to facilitate computer interface. Okay, so A, to allow transmitting on two frequencies at once. Uh, that's, not, that's not the common use for that. What is a VFO? That's uh, basically a tuner, basically a tuner variable frequency oscillator. Mm -hmm. And you can tune two different channels, or two mm -hmm. different frequencies on, a, like on a dual band radio. You can, but you can have this in the same band on modern ones, you can mm -hmm. anyway. So basically, two, initially two tuners in one okay. radio. All right. Okay. So transmitting on two frequencies at once is not a common use of that. Uh, B to permit full duplex operation, and you could you could do that, but I don't think mm -hmm. that's a common thing. C to permit monitoring of the two different frequencies, and that's commonly what I do with mine. I listen to two two at the same time, or mm -hmm. D to facilitate computer interface. That I, I'm I'm going to say the answer is C to permit monitoring of two different frequencies. While some of the others are are possible with that, I don't. That's not the common. Yeah. Most common use of it. Well, um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say it's C in, in the chat room over here. We're a little mixed over there. We're, we're, some of us are saying B. Some of us are saying C. And yeah, Tom, it's not E. No, it's not E. Um, <laughs> you, your clue there is that we don't have an E on the screen there. So. Oh. That, that, but it was a nice try, Tom. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Tommy. I'm going to say it's C. And you're correct on that. Here, you can give me a fist bump. Oh, yeah, but I'll I forgot. Give you Here you, there anyway. you go. There you go. That's yours. <laughs> okay. You could... Um, you could do all of those. It, yeah. Well, if you've got uh, dual VFOs, you could do full duplex operation. And I've done that before. Mm, we've done it. Yeah. Playing around. Um, 
Yeah. I'm not sure I want to operate like that all the time, but you could do it. Now, there's there's advantages to it, but it's not commonly mm -hmm. done. So uh, to allow transmit on two frequencies at once, I don't know about that. Is you're going to have to have not just dual well, uh, variable frequency oscillators. You're going to have to have two transmitters. Yeah. Um, and then the computer interface that doesn't require that, uh, two, yeah, two that VFOs wouldn't. for that. So, yeah. but you could do the duplex or C monitoring. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next one then. If propagation changes during your contact and you notice increasing interference from other activity on the same frequency, what should you do? A. Tell the interfering stations to change frequencies, or change frequency, rather. B. Report the interference to your local amateur auxiliary coordinator. C. As a common courtesy, move your contact to another frequency. Or D. Increase power to overcome interference. Now, all of those are things that you could do in response to increase interference, but some of them just don't sound really neighborly. You no. Know? I think and it boils down to what's the kind of the courteous thing to... I, yeah. I think that's it. Uh, courtesy is is the, uh, the key there. Uh Telling the interference station to change frequency. I've heard that happen now plenty mm -hmm. of times. Oh, yeah. I you know, we were here first. You changed frequency. Well, that doesn't really... Sometimes that might solve the issue, but you didn't make any friends in the process. That's true. Um, sometimes it just starts uh, an argument. So, yeah, that's not a good answer there. Uh, B, report the interference to your local amateur auxiliary coordinator. I know they would love to hear from you. <laughs> But, but not uh, about that. But not about that. So, no, you don't do that. Uh, D, increase power to overcome interference. Well, I'm sure that, that has been done, too, but that's not the proper way. Maybe maybe you're overcoming the interference for yourself, but you're increasing interference to that other station. Uh, so it's got to be C, you know. As a common courtesy, move your contact to another frequency. And that's just the nice thing to do. Yeah, you know? I agree with that. And, um, yeah. So let's see if that's the answer. Yeah, well, we had some mixed answers on that one, too. But, um, you know, I think some of them were joking around there. But there we go. It is C. All right. Nailed it. Move yourself to another frequency. It's easy enough to do. All right. I'm going to ask you one then. What is the customary minimum frequency separation between SSB signals, single sideband, under normal conditions? Is it A, between 150 and 500 hertz? Or B, approximately 3 kilohertz? Or C, approximately 6 kilohertz? Or D, approximately 10 kilohertz? Single sideband signals. I just so happen to know the answer to this one, and you actually mentioned it earlier also on our demonstration. I gave it away. Huh? You gave it away that it's three, the answer is B, three kilohertz. Okay. And I think it just, that's just the answer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how else to tell you. Sideband is three kilohertz. So AM, I think, would be six kilohertz. Cause it's it would, because it's using three on either side right. of um but, but I do actually remember yeah. remember that one from a good while back. Everybody got that one. It's <clears> B. And if you think about them, uh, between 150 and 500 hertz, um, that would just be like you're humming or something. I mean, <laughs> you couldn't. That, that's not wide enough to transmit voice. No, you know? not even intelligible. No. So um, it is B. So. Are we still doing that? Uh, well, I'll give you one more. Uh, all right. All right. How close to the lower edge of the 40-meter general class phone segment should your displayed carrier frequency be when using 3 kilohertz wide lower sideband? A, at least 3 kilohertz above the edge of the segment. B, at least 3 kilohertz below the edge of the segment. 
C, your displayed carrier frequency may be set at the edge of the segment. Or D, at least one kilohertz above the edge of the segment. So well, we just so happen to have seen this yeah, recently. We did. Let me just read over the question one more time to make sure that I got it correct. How close to the lower edge of the 40 meter general class phone section should your display carrier be using 3 kilohertz wide single sideband? All right, so if I go to the lower edge of any band, and if I'm using lower sideband, if I tune right to that band edge frequency and I transmit, I'm going to be transmitting outside of the band. Mm -hmm. So I've got to come up at least 3 kilohertz above that. Um, so I'm going to say it's A, at least 3 kilohertz above the edge of the segment. Yeah, I think that's the answer. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. All right, everyone in the chat room is saying A. And it is A. You know, that's, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's important for your general, or you're going to be transmitting down in the and, extra. You yeah. should typically be down in the extra band, mm -hmm. extra portion, rather. And it, it would be an important for anybody to, mm -hmm. to stay out of a portion that you're not licensed to operate. Right. Uh, most transceivers. Should, the runner one should stop you. Unless yeah. somebody's been monkeying with it. Yeah, which is very possible. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and, you know, we looked at that over here a while ago behind us on, mm -hmm. on the spectrum scope there. And we saw when uh, when we transmitted lower sideband, we're occupying about 3 kilohertz mm -hmm. below the frequency. Below what we're tuned to. Yep. And, you know, I stopped and reread that questionnaire, and the reason is... I knew the answer and how to get the answer. I just want to be sure that I read the question correctly and I knew which edge we were talking about. Yeah, it could trick and you. Yeah, it, it could easily uh, you could easily get that wrong if you just weren't paying attention. Yeah, and that's the key thing to all these questions. Make Pay sure attention. you stop, read them, reread them if you need to to make mm. sure you understand the question so you know it. exactly because it's. It's very easy for them to trip you up like mm -hmm. that. And they will. Yep. Okay, well, how close to the upper edge of the 20-meter general class band should your displayed carrier frequency be when using 3 kilohertz wide upper side band? Sounds like deja vu. Yeah, is it A, at least 3 kilohertz above the edge of the band? B, at least 3 kilohertz below the edge of the band. C, your display carrier frequency must be set at the edge of the band. Or D, at least one kilohertz below the edge of the segment. Okay, how close to the upper edge of the 20 meter class band should, you be, should your, carrier, your display carrier frequency be when using three kilohertz? So upper sideband. Using upper sideband. Yeah. So we're going to need to be three kilohertz below. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be B. The answer is going to be B, at least 3 kilohertz below the edge of the band. And that's what they're all saying over in the chat room. So I'm going to say you're probably right. It's a good chance it's right because it's the opposite of the one you just did. Yep, at least 3 kilohertz below the edge of the band. Cool. What frequency range is occupied by 3 kilohertz lower sideband signal when the displayed carrier frequency is set to 7.178 megahertz? A, 7.178 to 7.181 megahertz. B, 7.178 to 7.184 megahertz. C, 7.175 to 7.178 megahertz. Or is it D, 7.1765 to 7.1795 megahertz? Well... Let me read over this one again to make sure I got yes. it right. What frequency range is occupied by a 3 kilohertz lower sideband signal when the display carrier is 7.178? All right, so I know my signal is it's lower sideband, so it's going to be below that frequency. 
So I'll, it's going to be from 7.178 down. And the only answer there is going to be um, B. Let's see, if I took 7.178 and subtracted 3 from it, because I'm using 3 kilohertz, uh, that's going to be uh, 0.175. So uh, I'm not sure what answer I said it's going to be. It's going to be C. You said B, but you yeah. I meant C. Mm. I said B, but I meant C. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, okay, since that's I, not your final answer, we won't. I was still doing my ciphering. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, that is a 3 kilohertz segment. C, 7.175 to 0.178. That's 3 kilohertz right below uh, our displayed carrier frequency. So I'm saying it's C. Okay, I'll concur with that. And uh, everybody else is saying uh, the same thing too, I think. Looks like it. I saw a D in there, but uh, it is C. All right. All right, we've only got one more question like this. Really? Yep. What frequency range is occupied by a 3 kilohertz upper sideband signal with the displayed carrier frequency set to 14.347? Is it A, 14.347 to 14.647 megahertz? Or B, 14.347 to 14.350 megahertz? Or is it C, 14.344 to 14.347 megahertz. Or D, 14.3455 to 14.3485 megahertz. Okay, 3 kilohertz upper sideband, and the displayed frequency is set to 14.347. So that means it's going to be to the high side of 14.347, so that's going to be to 350. Uh, so the answer's got to be B, 14.347 to 14.350 megahertz. So you're saying it's B. So I'm saying it's B. Well, we had some conflicting answers in there, but there can only be one that's correct. So um, 47. I'm going to say it's it's got to be. It's got to be B. For yeah. the upper sideband, we're tuned to 14.347. That's the displayed frequency, yeah. Yeah, so then it's going to take occupy 3 kilohertz. From there higher, to 3 kilohertz out. Which is up to 350. So yep. the answer's got to be B. Okay. And you're correct. Hey, it'd be a good time to grab a snack. Sounds like a good plan. Are you new to the ham world? or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level, study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Did you fail to dress up for tonight's show? No tie, an old shirt and slacks, a house dress? Well, don't give it a thought. We're glad you came as you are. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. Finding a phone in a car isn't that unusual anymore, except when it leaves the car. For greener pastures... 
the high seas, or a leisurely lunch. Radio Shack keeps you in constant communication with their affordable, transportable cellular telephone. Hello? Well, yes, he's right here. It's for you. Yes, I heard about the merger. Buy 100 shares. The affordable, transportable cellular telephone. Only at Radio Shack. Hey, fellas, don't fight over that hot dog. There's plenty for everyone. Big, plump, and juicy, wrapped in an oven-fresh bun. Add mustard, relish, ketchup, and go to work. Yes, the hot dogs at our refreshment center are the best you'll find anywhere. Everybody agrees on that. Here's a wonderful Christmas gift for the person who has everything. It's the Skylark, Sylvania's new personal portable radio, and it comes with this stylish top-grain leather carrying case. Mighty good to look at. It's even better to hear. And you can hear it instantly at the turn of this switch. Yes, it's tiny, yet it brings you the brilliant tone and powerful performance of big six-tube radios. And when you listen to the Skylark in a strong signal area, you can greatly prolong battery life by moving this exclusive battery miser switch to this safe position. The large non-slip tuning dial is easy to read and assures you a precision tuning. It's easy to carry the Skylark, either in this attractive case with its adjustable shoulder strap or by this convenient lift-up handle, for it weighs less than four pounds with batteries. See the Skylark at your Sylvania dealer soon. Its sturdy plastic case comes in four handsome house and garden colors, leaf green, taffy, cherry, and driftwood. It makes a grand Christmas gift, and so do the other Sylvania radios, the Catalina Portable, the radio clocks, including the night lighter with panelescent dial, and the powerful table radios. All are handsome to look at and wonderful to hear. And now, on with the show. I need one of those Sylvania Skylark portable radios with top grain leather carrying bag. There you go. It was so tiny. Yeah. I need one of those cell phones that you can actually take out of the car. Yeah. When you go. Oh, that yeah. would be great. Yep. Transportable. Yeah. That kid looked like Bill Gates, didn't he? It might have been. He was buying stock. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always fun to watch. Yeah, they were really cool. I, I didn't have the Radio Shack model, but I had a, um, I think mine was a Motorola bag phone, bag I guess phone? is what they call it. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't get a bag phone. My first one, I started out, kind of looked like a brick. Mm -hmm. It was about that big. Battery lasts about half the day. The battery was huge on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, battery was huge in uh, in the back phone too. I didn't buy it; it was from work. I, you know, I had oh yeah had one for work. But you know, those were analog phones back in those days. Uh, mm -hmm. That's before they converted the networks over to digital. So uh, it was fun times, though, man. All oh, it stuff was. was bleeding edge yeah. at the time. Hey, guess where I'm calling from? Uh -huh. <laughs> but all it was good for. Yep. Which of the following is a use for the IF shift control on a receiver? A, to avoid interference from stations very close to the receive frequency. B, to change frequency rapidly. C, to permit listening on a different frequency from that on which you're transmitting. Or D, to tune in stations that are slightly off frequency without changing your transmit frequency. Which of the following is the use for an IF shift control on a receiver. Um, you know, that's that's a, a good question, mm -hmm. and one that could be a little misleading there on the answer if you didn't know it. Uh, and I, I wanted to show this um, when I entered this question in. Uh, I was thinking, yeah, this would be something good to show, but I don't have an HF radio that has an IF shift on it. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, even my, that one? Even the big one? No, because, you know, they use twin pass band tuning, oh, yeah. which does the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, uh, better in my opinion, but uh, IF shift is is a useful feature. And without getting too technical, uh, it doesn't change the frequency that you're listening to. It basically shifts it around a little bit as far as what's being decoded. Doesn't change the frequency, but it shifts at all frequency and monitors there a little bit so that you're not hearing interference that was adjacent to you. That's the best way I could 
explain it. You're just shifting the passband of the receiver, but not changing the receive frequency. So let's see, is it to avoid interference from stations uh -huh. very close to the receive frequency? So you're basically tweaking the filtering. Yes, well, yeah. It's like the you're taking your icon and you're doing the twin passband tuning. Mm -hmm. You're sliding a little, little off. You're not changing the frequency you're listening to, but you're changing the the bandwidth of it and where it's centered. Okay. This is actually that's interesting because what you're talking about is something I'm going to hope. Hopefully, I'm going to do on Amateur Logic here in the next month or two. Okay. Little project I was I want to work on. Uh, B to change frequency rapidly. No. That, that's not it. C, to permit listening on a different frequency from that on which you're transmitting. No, moving the IF shift doesn't change the frequency you're listening on or transmitting on. Or D, to tune in stations that are slightly off frequency without changing your transmit frequency. No, it's not that either. Now, there is a function called RIT, uh, Receive Incremental Tuning, that will allow you to tune to stations that are slightly off frequency with their transmitters, uh, but that's not what IF shift does. Mm -hmm. So it's A, to avoid interference from stations very close to the receive frequency. And uh, we had, we had a, lot of, a lot of D's in there. We did have some A's. I could be wrong. What do you think, Tommy? Well, I think it's A also, but I could see where you could think it was D as well. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it's A, but uh, that's my my uh, my I'm, first gut instinct. But I don't think my, none of my radios have that either. Yeah. Well, I, I, one of my first ones did have it, and that's how I remember okay. what that does. Uh, so let's see if I'm right. Yeah, it is A. Okay. Because IF shift doesn't change the frequency you're receiving on. It just kind of changes the little slice of bandwidth around that frequency that you're listening on. So, uh, yeah, it could be very misleading there. Obviously, you know, a lot of people missed it in the chat room there. So uh, I, I do wish I had a radio that we could demonstrate that on, but I'm just, I yeah. don't. James so. in here says his uh, Kenwood calls it RIT, but I think that's the solution that's a different, to D. Yeah. Yeah, uh, D would be RIT, and, and RIT's RIT changes the frequency. It doesn't change the IF shift, though. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Interesting stuff. So many features yeah. on all these on all these radios. So it's amazing yeah. what they'll do now. And some of the manufacturers call this very similar mm -hmm. frequency by a different name or feature. Mm -hmm. by I know a the twin name. pass band tuning on the ICOM radios that we're familiar with. It's pretty amazing what you can do with that. Well, IF shift is doing basically the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like the twin pass band tuning. Mm -hmm method better myself okay next one here what is qrp operation tommy is it uh, a remote pilot model control pilot model control b low power transmit operation c transmission using quick response protocol or d traffic relay procedure net operation well, we know, we know that's going to be low-power transmit operation just we for do? me and the hams for a long yeah. time. The I QRP is, is low-power. So, I mean, I don't even know how else to to reason that out. Just uh, it's it's B, low-power transmit operation. Yeah. QRP, uh, you know, that's one of the Q codes, and that's what that particular one means. There you go. Low power transmit operation. Okay. Well, Let's get by there. <laughs> we into electronics now? I think we're into electronics now, so let's move on to some of those questions. Oh, now we'll get the dust off the buzzer. Yeah, these are going to be a little, little different. But we'll, we'll start out with this one. You can ask me, as a matter of fact. Okay. What is impedance? A, the electric charge stored by a capacitor. B, the inverse of resistance. C, 
the opposition to the flow of current in an AC circuit. Or D, the force of repulsion between two similar electric fields. Uh, a, the electric charge stored in a capacitor, no. That's, that's not what impedance is. B, the inverse of resistance. No, it's not the opposite of resistance. Matter of fact, it's very similar to resistance. Uh, D, the force of repulsion between two similar electric fields. No. Uh, it's C, the opposition to the flow of current in an AC circuit. Impedance, and I think I, I maybe said this in a previous episode, it's, um, you could think of it as AC resistance. Yeah, um, you know, because there, it's not just the resistance that you're dealing with, it's also the reactance, be it negative or positive reactance. You combine the resistance and reactance together and, and you've, uh, you've got impedance in an AC circuit. So that goes hand in hand with what we saw last it, With reactance, yep, mm -hmm. exactly. The opposition to the flow of current in an AC circuit. And most everybody got that right over in the chat room. Cool. And so I've got a similar question for you. <clears throat> well, actually it's not very, well, I guess it is similar. <laughs> What unit is used to measure impedance? Is it A, volts? B, ohm? C, ampere? Or D, watts? So I believe that's going to be, it's the same, since it's basically resistance for AC, AC voltage, I'm going to say the answer is going to be B, ohm. I'd say that's a good way to reason it out. So let's see if you're right. And of course you are. And um, it could have went either way, yeah. but I got. Yep. I kind of at least have semi understanding of some of this this mm -hmm. part. Okay. The stuff from last month was uh, was was kind of uh, it was a really interesting exercise for me. I thought it, it was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I like it when we can do demos like that that really kind of you can visualize what's yeah what's that's happening. what the scope's great about you guys don't have to run out and buy a scope no. for you to but it's but it's a really fantastic tool to be able to show new mm -hmm. people that are new to the hobby what's really happening yep. it's, it's pretty cool to see mm -hmm. that okay you got one for me i do why is impedance matching important a so the source can deliver maximum power to the load that sounds like a good reason. Uh, B, so the load will draw minimum power from the source. Or C, to ensure that there is less resistance than reactance in the circuit. Or D, to ensure that the resistance and the reactance in the circuit are equal. Okay, uh, let me see. I know the answer, but let's go over some of the wrong ones. We'll start at the bottom there. D, to ensure that the resistance and reactance in the circuit are equal. There would be no advantage to doing that. Um, so, no, that impedance matching would, uh, that would not be um, an important reason to do it. Uh, C, to ensure there is less resistance than reactance in a circuit. Um, that's not really beneficial either. Um, normally you're you're trying to counsel out that reactance if you can and just get to a pure resistance. Uh, B, so the load will draw minimum power from the source. Uh, no, you want maximum power going out to the load. Think of your antenna as the load. Would you want to match it up so that you get the least amount of power to your antenna? No, it would nope. be the opposite of what I'd want to do. Yep. So it's A, so the source can deliver maximum power to the load. And let's just see if that is correct. Uh, everybody got that right. And that's why you do it. You know, say you're only, say you got 50 watts, and you're trying to push that down a 50 ohm coax to a 50 ohm antenna, everything's matched. If your rig output is 50 ohms, everything's happy because the impedance is matched all the way through. 
But if for some reason the impedance of your antenna is not 50 ohms, let's say it's 100 ohms, then everything just changed. Mm -hmm. Your transmitter is not going to see 50 ohms. It's not really going to see exactly 100 ohms uh, because it's looking into a 50 ohm line, which no longer can really operate at 50 ohms like it should because it, it wants to see 50 ohms on both sides of it. And it's not. It's seeing 100 on one side. Yeah, your transmitter is so, going to be real unhappy about that, too, right. if you run much power into that for very long. Right. Now, in ham radio, we usually put the, um, the antenna tuner right at the output of the transmitter. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the most efficient way to do it, but that's how we do it because we have to, we operate on so many frequencies, we have to match our antenna frequently. Mm -hmm. quite often. So it's more convenient for us to have it right there in the shack with us right next to our transmitter. Ultimately, it would be better if our tuner was out right at the base of mm -hmm. your antenna, right at the end of the coax. That way, your rig is seeing the 50 ohms, your coax run is seeing 50 ohms, mm -hmm. and all the matching is being done right there at the antenna. Yeah, Emil showed um, a setup like that last month on Amateur Launch, mm -hmm. I guess, matter of fact. He had an auto-tuner that mounts out at the base of the antenna. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to do it. When you've got your your tuner right there in the shack, right at the uh, rear of the transmitter, and then you go to your coax, you're going to have some standing waves on that coax. So it's not really going to transfer maximum energy into your antenna. There's some standing waves, so there's power lost along the line that's on the way that makes sense. to the transmitter. Oh, but that's typically how we do it. In ham radio, we, uh, we're making the transmitter happy. We're not necessarily making the transmission line happy, but we're getting it matched up so the transmitter doesn't care. But putting your tuner closer to the antenna minimizes that Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Well, we're whittling on down close to the end here. We've got, um, well, here, I'll ask you this one. Which of the following describes one method of impedance mashing between two AC circuits? Is it A, insert an LC network between the two circuits? B, reduce the power output of the first circuit. C, increase the power output of the first circuit. Or D, insert a circulator between the two circuits. And there is such a thing as a circulator. Is it? Yep. Okay, so I'm probably going to hit the buzzer on this one. Which, I need to reread the question. Which of the following describes one method of impedance matching between two AC circuits? Insert an LC network. I don't. I honestly don't know what LC network is. I should, and I know I've read it before, but I do not remember that. Reduce the power output of the first circuit. That doesn't sound like a good... Uh, that's not a way to match impedance. Increase the power. That's not a way to match impedance either. That's just tweaking the power. Insert a circulator between the two circuits. Now, I don't know what a circulator is between... Two circuits. So I'm going to take a guess that I think it's going to be A, insert an LC network between the two circuits, but I don't know what LC stands for. That's the only one that seems to make sense to me, okay. just from process of elimination. Well, that made sense to everybody over in the chat room there. Did it? Yep. Except it for is. the Z. Except for the Z. Uh, okay, so okay. I got it right, but I, don't, I honestly well, don't know why. Well, let me tell you. Okay. Now, I'll just ask you a couple of questions, and then uh -oh. you'll know what it is. We're, we're, uh, we're looking at formulas, <clears throat> electronic formulas. And, you know, sometimes the letter is not the same as what we're talking about. Like, Ohm's law is mm -hmm. I equals E over R. Right. Current is I. Voltage mm -hmm. is E. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, if you were looking at those formulas, what would L be? What value is represented 
by an L? I, I don't remember. Okay. All right, what about C? I think the C would be capacitance. Okay. So I'm assuming that's a resistor and capacitor network. But a resistor would be an R. Then an inductor. I don't, I just don't remember. Yeah. I just don't know. An inductor and capacitor? An inductor. Yeah. Okay. Inductor and capacitor. L is typically oh, the abbreviation okay. they use in a formula to mean inductance. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so that's basically a tuner. Yep. That's... Um, okay, that makes sense. Then. Yeah. Just, okay. Mm -hmm. I just I just skimmed by on that one, too. You got it by despite yourself. I did. By a, a total accident. A circulator, there is such a thing, but uh, we're not going to get into it because it's beyond the scope of what we're talking about right now and is not really related, so... Yeah, I should remember more of those things, but I, I just don't fool with that stuff enough. I'm just now kind of really starting to get into it some, so. Mm -hmm. But that's cool. Okay. Interesting. And I should have known that about the inductor, because uh, all that is is basically a tuner. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> what is one reason to use an impedance matching transformer? A, to minimize transmitter power output. B, to maximize the transfer of power. C, to reduce power supply ripple. Or D, to minimize radiation resistance. Uh, what is one reason to use an impedance matching transformer? To minimize transmitter output power. Why... Why would you want to minimize transmitter output power? Would be to run question. it into your other radio over there, but yeah, that's not a common practice. No, like no. we're doing with the uh, attenuators you've got there. Yeah, uh, B to maximize the transfer of power. That sounds like it could be it, doesn't it? It does. C to reduce power supply ripple. Now I don't don't see how that would help with power supply ripple. Or D, to minimize radiation resistance. No. It's um, to maximize the transfer of power. Uh, we kind of talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. If we've got a 50-ohm radio, we've got 50-ohm transmission line going to a 50-ohm antenna, we've got maximum transfer of power. Uh, if... If the load is not the same impedance, we can use a, a impedance matching transformer to maximize that power. So I'm going to say B. Okay, I think that's right. That's what that's the one I would have chosen as well. That's that's what everybody else is choosing over there. And there you go. To maximize the transfer of power. Yeah, I wish there was a good way to demonstrate that. You know, I, I tried to pull together a, um, a demo, but I didn't have the right stuff. I had what I thought was the right stuff, and when I actually hooked it up and tried it this afternoon... Just didn't get... It just... It, it, no. Okay. It, it didn't, yeah. um, didn't work out to where it's something we could demonstrate, so... Um, perhaps in the future, though, maybe we can get... Um, Good il illustration of that. I think that'd be good. Yeah. Well, cool. Tommy, I that, think we that, have reached the end of the question pool for mm -hmm. tonight. No buzzers? No buzzers. Which, um, yeah, that's a good thing. You know, this close to Christmas, you want to be... Well, I got, the, I got the right answer, but it almost deserved at least a half a buzz. Yeah. But anyway. You mean like the... Positive half or negative half it cycle depends, of the bus? It depends on if we're on the upper or lower <laughs> sideband. Okay. Well, speaking of Christmas. Yeah. Um, it'll be here before you know it. Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. What's a good Christmas gift that uh, someone could give a viewer of, of Ham College? You know what? Now that you mention that, a great amateur logic or Ham College t-shirt some kind of ham college or amateur logic swag would just be fantastic christmas gift and if you wanted to get that for someone you could get them at the url that's on your screen right there amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com we've got quite a selection and uh 
anyway. And you'll be looking, you or whoever the recipient of the gift will be mm -hmm. looking mighty sharp at the next ham fest mm -hmm. and it'll, representing. It'll be a holly jolly Christmas. Yeah. And if you uh, take pictures of yourself or whoever wearing that, send it in, there's a good chance it'll show up on Amateur Logic at some point. It's, it is a good, good chance. Those are, those are always fun on there when people send those pictures in. It is, yeah. Uh, thanks for being here with us tonight, everyone. We appreciate you watching Ham College and join us for Amateur Logic coming up on uh, December the 8th, 8th, 2017. It'll be 8 p.m. 8 p.m. So well, it'll be a Christmas, annual mm -hmm. Christmas show, and it should be a lot of fun. Yep. And for those of you who are interested in the ICOM IC7610, well, join us right here on uh, Friday, December 15th. I believe that's right. Uh, 2017. Uh, 8, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. We're going to have Ray here with us and an IC7610, and we're going to be going through it thoroughly. Yeah, and while we normally don't stream those, when uh, when Ray's here, we're actually going to stream, stream it, just like we're doing this, and mm -hmm. then it'll be posted as well, just like always. Right. And uh, for those of you who are, who are joining um, on the live stream and in the chat room there, you'll get to ask some questions of Ray when it's over with. And um, he'll have to do it now because we said he was going to. Yeah. And he w we won't want to make <laughs> him look bad. So yeah, He'll you know, be here. I think he's here. excited to I, uh, show it too. People are I asking him is, yeah. constantly when is it going to be out. You know, actually, they've been asking when, when is it going to be here in specific. Yeah. So uh, it's coming yeah. up very soon. I'm looking forward to playing around with that myself. Me too. It really looks like it's going to be a nice mm. rig. Oh, yeah, no doubt. All right, 7-3, everyone. And, uh, hey, join us again at the end of the next month for another Ham College. Yep, 7-3, everybody. We'll see you on the 8th for Amateur Logic. circulator do other well, than circulate did someone ask that or are you asking i'm that? asking i don't want to get into a big long discussion of it because i might get it wrong but <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah i i don't i'm not prepared to really demonstrate it but it's 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 based on a circle. Oh, <laughs>